does the top performing restaurant stock in 2018 do for an encore in 2019? Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, the executive editor with Restaurant Business Magazine, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I talk with Charlie Morrison, the CEO of Dallas-based Wingstop, to talk about some of the chain's efforts to bolster sales after such a strong year. Wingstop has quietly been one of the strongest performers among restaurant companies on Wall Street, and last year was the top-performing restaurant stock, having risen 60% during the calendar year. Wingstop has generated 15 straight years of same-store sales growth, including 6.5% last year. Morrison has been CEO of the chain since 2012, and he believes that Wingstop's next frontier is generating more sales through digital channels. Wingstop currently gets 28% of its sales through mobile and online ordering. But on the podcast, he describes the company's efforts to push that even higher. And Morrison talks about the lengths to which the company can go in terms of digital sales. He also talks about why it's so important for a company such as his to generate more of these sales through online and mobile ordering. In addition, He discusses how the company is working to calm the extremely volatile price market for chicken wings, a market that has roiled franchisees every few years for a long time. Please have a listen. Charlie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me today. All right, so uh, stock price went up about 60% last year, top performing restaurant stock, same store sales up 6.5%. Pick up the pace. (laughs) We'll do our best. I think we've done a great job, as you know. Our shareholders have enjoyed fantastic returns over 290% since our IPO. So uh, I think it's a testament to the continued strong growth we've seen in the brand, and mm-hmm. we expect to continue that well into the future. Let's talk about some of the things that you said at uh, ICR. Um, one of the things I was particularly interested in is the issue of the sort of the pickup lockers. Could you talk a little bit about that? What's the strategy there with uh, pickup orders? Sure, well, uh, our brand enjoys 75% of our businesses carry out, Mm -hmm. take out business. So most people are coming in, grabbing their food and leaving. As we've continued to grow our average unit volumes, we've noticed that there's some congestion at the front counter. In addition, with today's increasing wage rates, we're looking for ways to always make our restaurants more efficient uh, to improve the return on investment for our franchisees. These pickup lockers, offer the guests the ability to generate an online order, walk into the restaurant, scan a simple QR code, uh, a locker door opens up and their food is in the bag ready to go and they grab it and they leave. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very efficient process. We've seen in very, very early testing that it's actually increased our guest satisfaction scores scores quite a bit for those digital carryout orders. And so we're going to continue testing it and see how they evolve. Uh, and see how we can modify the look and feel of our restaurants of the future to incorporate this into them. Mm-hmm. So you get about 28% of your orders are now through digital, and your goal is to increase that percentage? It is. Um, we increase that number about 400 basis points per year, really through organic growth, uh, working with our franchisees and the folks at the front counter to make sure that we train our guests to not just call in or walk in, but actually leverage um, a digital order through our web, mobile web applications. Over time, uh, as we roll out delivery, which will be a big initiative mm-hmm. for the coming year, uh, we expect that that alone will add another 9 to 12% of our uh, digital mix. So that plus continued organic growth, we could easily see ourselves nearing 40% by the end of next year. Mm-hmm. What's a benefit for Wingstop and for, uh, and, and for your franchisees to, to increase that number? Well, first of all, they get a $5 higher average check. 
typically from a digital carryout order versus a traditional walk-in carryout mm -hmm. order or phone-in carryout order. Um, that's the big benefit. The other is efficiency within the restaurant. So fewer people to have to man the phones and answer those phones uh, to take those orders. It's a much more efficient process. Mm -hmm. Is um, now you are pretty. You've been pretty deliberate about. You've been. I, I contrast it with say a large burger giant that went whole hog into delivery in 2017. You took a much more deliberative approach. What was the benefit of that kind of taking a slower approach to this idea? Well, we believe our brand is set up to be a strong delivery mm -hmm. concept. Uh, we're not going to just look for an incremental few transactions each week. We really believe delivery can become a meaningful part of our business. Uh, we've proven that in our testing that it can be as much as 9 to 12% of our sales mix and highly incremental. So as we've gone into this, and keep in mind as well, 75% of our business is takeout today. So our guests are used to taking the food home. What we want to do is make sure that the occasion of delivery is very consistent with the occasion of carryout, <laughs> meaning our guest satisfaction scores are the same, that the timeliness of the order is consistent with the carryout order, so that it's fairly seamless no matter how you use Wingstop that you're going to get the best occasion. And then we see this being a long-term opportunity for us to grow well into the future. So we are relying on our delivery partner, which is DoorDash, to prepare and scale the rest of the market to be able to accommodate mm -hmm. the needs of the brand. And so it's been a deliberate process. I think we're walking into the rollout now in 2019, very confident in what the outcome will be, whereas maybe other brands have just gone in to grab that incremental one or two transactions. We really see it as a game changer. Mm -hmm. Do you see pizza as a model for you guys a little bit in terms mm -hmm. of how much? Because I've always viewed you as a pizza chain that sells chicken wings instead of pizza. And the occasion is always similar to me, uh, primarily, you know, take out, you eat it at home while watching football games or whatever sure. you're doing with a large group. I mean, yep. do you see that as a, sort of the model here? Yeah, I, I, uh, I do. In fact, I have personally a lot of experience in the pizza business uh, prior to Wingstop. <laughs> and so um, because of that, we do operate very similarly. Mm -hmm. We do have sit-down occasions. Um, we have a lot of people come in and enjoy our restaurants. But... At the same time, the way our product behaves and the type of use occasions are very similar. So delivery is a nice natural extension to the brand. Mm -hmm. And you see that as sort of incremental for you guys? Or? We do. We do. In our testing, we've seen that delivery can be as much as 80% incremental, uh, meaning those are new customers, mm -hmm. not just higher frequency from existing, but net new customers. And I think we proved that in the pizza game that... Uh, those who want to carry out, carry out, and those who want to deliver, deliver have the product mm -hmm. delivered, and there's very limited intersection between the two customer segments. Right. I'm a carry-out person. Yeah. I just, I, uh, you know, as much, and maybe it drives a little bit of my own delivery skepticism, though I've, I've always thought that you're one of those chains that probably needs to do delivery almost yesterday. Yeah, yeah, and we're, and we're being careful about it because we're mm -hmm. leveraging third party. We're not yeah. investing in the resources internally, and so we got to let them catch up to our scale and size. And yeah. now that they have, it's a great opportunity for us to really accelerate this. Now, you looked at doing delivery yourself, and why did you ultimately go with third party? Well, first, it's expensive um, to do. You have to manage insurance, driver vehicle, you know, motor vehicle records for drivers. You have to hire those people. It's a tough environment to hire people right now, highly competitive. And the restaurants really aren't set up 
as a delivery concept. So the flow inside the restaurant, the ability to stage the food, um, allow drivers in and out without disturbing the guests in the restaurant. That's not really easy and seamless for Wingstop. So we elected to go with a third party approach, which that delivery driver now behaves more like a typical guest mm -hmm. that walks into the restaurant and they can grab their food and go. For us, that was, uh, it was a win-win to adopt this strategy. Mm -hmm. Now, are you testing voice ordering? Did We've you... been dabbling with mm -hmm. it. Um, it's an emerging technology. It hasn't yeah. been perfected yet. Others are also playing in this. We like the idea of being able to convert really any order into a digital order, whether it be over the phone, in the restaurant where you walk in and use a kiosk, uh, whether you use our web, mobile, mobile web applications. All of the above represent opportunities for us to create a digital transaction. And when we do that, then the order drops right to the make table. It's very efficient to, mm -hmm. to execute. Voice technology has got to emerge and come along. Um, and as it does, we'll continue to uh, do what we can. We have a device that's available. Um, it's not, it's really not tight yet, yeah. um, where the conversational aspect of it, like you and I are having, uh, is easily interpreted and understood. Right, right. Well, based on my interactions with my Echo devices, I could tell you that still got ways to go personally. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to describe it. <laughs> so, um, the other thing I really want to talk to you about, chicken wing prices. Mm -hmm. Chicken wings have to give you a lot of headaches. Um, every so often because you know and I've paid more attention to chicken wing commodities than any other commodity because um, it's so utterly fascinating every so often mm -hmm. see it, it must be like every four years four to five years if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken something happens and then the chicken wing market just goes crazy for one year yep and then the next year comes down and right. you guys are sort of talking you're working um, uh, you're working with a distributor now to um, maybe even that out a little bit. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, we, I mean, we experienced this in 2017 mm -hmm. when the market spiked. Um, the last time it happened was 2012, 2013, as you described. And so what we said was we're going to do our best to insulate ourselves from the extremes of the volatility. Uh, that partnership that we did with PFG took us out of a customized distribution model into a broad line. Mm -hmm. And that gives us the opportunity to tap into our collective um, buying power between the two companies to go acquire the chicken wings themselves. That will help us in times where demand for chicken wings is quite high. We can be in there first to go get those wings or not fight for them, if you will. The second benefit to that is, is we're also looking at ways to use more of the chicken. Mm -hmm. um, we can look at, for instance, whole wings. We can, instead of the pieces and parts, we can look at other uses of uh, the thigh meat and uh, dark meat products. Uh, for our business to complement um, our product offering in those times when chicken wing prices are high. But make no mistake about it, we love chicken wings. Mm -hmm. They never give me a headache uh, because <laughs> of the great performance we've had in our brand and the ability to really mm -hmm. exist as a category all by ourselves. So while we are insulated from the volatility and we've demonstrated that with our continued growth even in some of the worst commodity cycles that you see, we're going to make sure that we mitigate that through this relationship, and that's really what it's centered on right now. 2017 was kind of a tough year for you guys, it wasn't was. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we got hit by a lot. Yeah, you got hit by some sales challenges, unusual sales challenges, and then chicken wings are just... Yeah, yeah, the perfect storm, if you will, and mm -hmm. uh, we navigated it beautifully, and I think it's a demonstration for this brand that we've got a number of levers that we can pull to, uh, to help guide us through even the most difficult challenges. I mean, we saw 
uh, food costs go as high as 42, 43 percent for our franchisees. That would really impact negatively a lot of brands, mm -hmm. and you see a lot of closures. We had, you know, no more than the typical year. Um, it gave us a little bit of a slowing of our development cycle. We found mm -hmm. that to be temporary, and we've now navigated through that. In the most recent quarter, Q4, we opened 51 gross restaurants in mm -hmm. the chain, uh, which is near a record for our brand. So um, we've seen that we're fairly well insulated uh, from the negative effects of this kind of commodity inflation, but uh, nonetheless, 2017 was uh, was a good uh, a good demonstration for mm -hmm. how just uh, versatile this brand can be. Yeah. So you got some uh, pretty fertile markets in international uh, international countries. Yeah, we do. Yeah, um, they're coming along. We just opened mm -hmm. in London, yeah. uh, our first location, right in the heart of Piccadilly and Cambridge Circus. Uh, fantastic restaurant, our highest volume international restaurant to date. Yeah. Uh, very prominently placed, and we're going to continue to expand the London market. We're going to enter France in the first quarter of this year. Uh, so we're continuing to develop carefully and thoughtfully uh, new international markets. We'll probably sign two or three new markets this year coming up in 2019 and then go to work on those in 2020 and then do it again in 2021. We like that strategy. That has to be a, um, I mean, chicken internationally. I mean, it's, 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 it's the easiest protein, um, you know, to, to acquire or yeah, otherwise. I mean, yeah. Just, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, people... Very few people, unless you're a vegetarian, very few people don't eat chicken. Yeah, and, and more so than in the U.S., people mm -hmm. eat bone-in chicken yeah. internationally. Um, much like the U.S., though, chicken wings have historically been an appetizer, a side mm -hmm. item, you know, something, and not the, not the core consumption item. We're doing the same thing we did in the U.S., um, teaching people the idea that mm -hmm. wings can be a center-of-the-plate item. Right. And as we've seen the brand grow internationally, we've seen consecutive years back-to-back -back of same-store sales growth, just like we've done in the U.S. We expect that to continue well into the future as we educate the markets about the wonderful, beautiful chicken wing and what it can be for them. All right. Sir, thank you very much for uh, joining us My this pleasure. week on the podcast and taking the time out. Uh, happy to do it. Glad to see you. Thank you. A Deeper Dive was edited by Kimberly Colley. Artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. Contributors to this podcast include Heather Lally, Sarah Rushworth, Pat Kobe, and Peter Romeo. You can find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash podcast. You can also find them on iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host and podcast producer and the executive editor of Restaurant Business Magazine. Thank you very much for listening.